Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, Matthew 14 from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, notice John didn't really go around and say this publicly as a political statement, but John had said to him, to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have her. So uh, Herod had taken, this is not King Herod from the days of Jesus' infancy, but this is another Herod that is over a smaller region. But it says, uh, Herod took his brother Philip's wife. So he committed adultery, ended up marrying his brother Philip's wife. And uh, John the Baptist said to him, he said, it's not lawful for you to have her. That's not right for you to do. So he was honest with him. And so uh, what happened was uh, Herod ended up putting John in prison over this because of Herodias. The wife really hated John the Baptist for pointing out this adultery and such and wanted him in prison. So he was in prison. Well, it goes on to say, and although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude. So Herod wanted to put him to death, but he feared what the people would think. He, you know, he's thinking about his politics because they counted him, John, as a, as a prophet. Verse 6, but when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the the Baptist's head here on a platter. That's, That's very gross, very ruthless. You can see here just the hardness of heart, the callousness uh, of heart. And the king was sorry. Now, it wasn't that he was sorry because he didn't want him to die, because it just said he wanted him to be put to death. But he was sorry because, oh, how's this going to look to the public, right? He was sorry, nevertheless, because of his oaths and because of those who sat with him that heard him say that. Uh, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came, John the Baptist's disciples came, and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. Remember, this is Jesus' cousin. And of all the people on the earth, John the Baptist is the one that understands Jesus the most, having, <coughs> excuse me, received a powerful ministry of his own as the precursor to Jesus, but also having identified Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God. And so, uh, when Jesus heard about this, when he heard about the minute the the counterpart in ministry, his cousin being beheaded in prison, when he heard about this, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him. So he's trying to get away by himself, trying to get a little uh, reprieve from the multitudes and such so that he can grieve a bit over his cousin. 
And so notice this, but when the multitudes heard that he got into a boat and he left, they went around the lake on foot uh, uh, from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. Here he is trying to get away. And he comes out, he sees this huge multitude that's gathered waiting for him to get there on the boat. And it says he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. You know, a lot of us would probably say, hey, guys, can you give me some time here? I mean, this was my cousin and maybe even get on people's case for their insensitivity. But notice the compassion of the Lord Jesus. It was never about him. Like he said in the book of Mark, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. And notice it didn't say some of their sick, it said he healed their sick. And then, verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitude, multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Can you imagine? I mean, there are thousands of people there. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said to them, uh, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. This was an all-you-can-eat buffet, so to speak. They all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So you can imagine if there are 5,000 men, well, besides the women, say if all the men had wives, uh, and they, they may not have all had wives, but just say that they all had wives, and uh, that'd be 10,000, and say two kids. Well, you know the, a lot of these Jewish folks would have more than two kids, but nonetheless, you're talking 15, 20,000 people, maybe more. And so they all ate and were filled. And it said, now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So he sent them off in a boat. He sent the multitudes away. And when, they, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, you know, they're in the boat, and they see him out there walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. This freaked them out. They'd never seen any, anything or anybody walking on the water before while they're in a boat. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, oh, here we go. Let me tell you, this, this guy really has a heart after the Lord. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. Now watch this. A lot of people get on Peter's case as if he's just a big mouth, a lame brain, you know, sort of a, an airhead saying things, putting his foot in his mouth all the time. But I want you to notice it wasn't always like that. Here he said, 
Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And watch this. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water. Peter walked on the water. Don't look down on him. Have you ever walked on water? This was a mighty man of faith. He wasn't just always saying ridiculous things. Sure, he didn't understand everything he, he needed to understand. And maybe because he spoke up more, uh, his ignorance was more demonstrated, more visible than the others. But let me tell you, Peter was an exceptional disciple after the heart of the Lord. And when Jesus said, freely you've given, freely received, when Jesus said, like, for example, in John uh, 14, 23, I believe it is, where he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in uh, me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Peter really believed that he could do what Jesus was doing because Jesus was teaching him so. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come. And, and Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. He's the only other person we know besides Jesus who walked on the water. Verse 30, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, watch this, when he, here's a fisherman now. So some, you have this, this, uh, these laws, these concepts of what happens when the wind gets really out of control. In a boat, I mean, you could be tossed, you could be capsized and such. Well, he's not in a boat. He's sustained by the power of God, but he's not used to this. So it says, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. What does that mean? beginning to sink. You know, have you ever, you know, stepped off into a pool, the deep end, and began to sink? No, you just sink. But see, something was sustaining him by the power of God because of his faith. He believed and he stepped out and the power of God was sustaining him. But notice, as he began to be afraid, his faith was slipping and the power began to dissipate. He didn't just, you know, drop down into the water. No, he was beginning to sink. As his faith was slipping, so the power of God was diminishing. And it was like an elevator going down. He was beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, listen to the words of Jesus, that was awesome. You were walking on water. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, some people might say, why did I doubt? I was walking on the water. That's why I doubted. Like, well, why, why, why wouldn't I doubt? That's crazy for a human being. I mean, I'm not the only begotten son of God. But Jesus was saying, yeah, but I said, come. If I say come, that means you can. Why did you doubt? Just because of the wind? does the wind have anything to do with the power of God that's sustaining you? See, Jesus is teaching us some things. If we'll catch this, we'll, in a sense, walk on water in various places in our lives where it's, it's by the power of God. We have to hear Jesus say, I love what Peter said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. I don't want to come because I, because I have a good idea or because somebody else has an opinion about it. Lord, if this is you telling me to do it, I'll do it. If it's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And see, when, when God speaks to us, and it's really God, and you step out, now you've got his power backing you. Isn't this powerful? So it goes on to say, 
that Jesus said, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you're the son of God. Worshiped him didn't necessarily mean they broke out in song. Really, it seems like uh, the type of worship is they probably bowed down to him. You're, you're the son of God. Why? Not only are you walking on the water, but you gave the power to our friend, our brother here. who He was walking on the water. Who can do that? Right? And so they're, they're blown away at uh, what, what Jesus is doing here. So notice this now. Truly you are the Son of God. Verse 34, when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all that surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Isn't that amazing? Everybody got healed. Everybody got healed. And here, just like that woman with the flow of blood, she said, if I can only touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And here, these people, maybe they heard that story. And they said, well, if we touch his clothes, we'll be well. And it said, and everybody who touched was made well. Notice the, the uh, widespread healings in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus was not picking and choosing and saying, well, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, you're not going to get healed even if you touch. No, because this and that and the other. No, these people had heard they're coming in faith and just healings everywhere. It is the will of God, generally speaking, for everybody to be saved and everybody to be healed. But of course, if you're in rebellion, you're under judgment or something, then you're not in a position to receive. But you can be in a position to receive. See, and so the Bible is just teaching us how the kingdom of God operates. And it's just amazing to watch it and uh, watch specifically in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.